Hey everybody, this is Zach. Hey, this is the person that is not Zach. That was muted. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also, um, he was eating that mic. That audio sounded beautiful. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess that. I guess I should just eat this mic, huh? Um <laughs> I mean, don't give yourself scoliosis, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need to invest in one of those little boom arms. Um, hey, y'all, uh, we're we're talking about uh, uh, Resident Evil Village, um, and we're going to kind of bisect this some because I uh, have not finished it yet. <laughs> yeah, because Zach has a real life with real responsibilities, folks. Yeah, yeah. So, um also, how long to beat is a liar. Um, I was banking on about nine hours, and <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But um, before we get into that, we can go into Mimi Me's first. Um, I've got a handful of things that are all kind of related um, that I've been slowly working through over the past like year, an episode at a time. Um, I'm sure Richard. Uh, Mm -hmm. that you and your wife have blown through these already. But uh, I guess I can start it off with what did you guys think of the the MCU uh, Disney Plus shows? Because that's what I cut through. Not this week, but just, yeah. In general? Wrapped it up, yeah. Um, yeah, let me go grab my wife and have her <laughs> come up on here. Uh, I was counting on a little more notation time. But, uh... Oh, sorry, yeah. okay. So, so, um, yeah, and, and for anyone uh, who is unfamiliar, uh, yeah, the, the show specifically I'm talking about are uh, the WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and Hawkeye. Um, Jesus, Zach, that's like, that's like four episodes all together. <laughs> I'm not going to squeeze that into a BBB. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't really have deep thoughts on them. They're like, they're they're fun and I can see how they bridge into the next version of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, they're pretty. Um, I definitely have my favorites that I was confused as to why this was ever like the order that this fell in. But honestly, I like, uh, Loki the most, I think. Yeah. Um, um Hawkeye would be a close second which mm -hmm. I don't like either one of those characters. So I was really surprised that those were my favorites. Um, and then, yeah, there's about a dozen other things I'd rather watch than WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh. Yeah. Now, the, now <laughs> to caveat that, Zach would admit that those dozen other things are probably not necessarily better. They're just oh, no, they're probably not, like, critically better. Um, Wait, no, I, no, just better. Better in general. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't hedge that one, Zach. Um, yeah, no. WandaVision is uh, is really interesting uh, from the perspective of pacing. I think, yeah. uh, and I, I think the biggest, and this applies to a lot of the shows in general, um, especially I think the first three being um, WandaVision. I'm going to talk in generalities because yeah. I, if I get into anything specific with the shows, it's going to take forever. So talking about, <laughs> I feel like Zach surprised me with like a marriage proposal. And now I'm trying to like, 
<laughs> one of those public ones. Yeah, like, I'm trying to search my giant feelings. Kiss cam at a yeah. arena. <laughs> it's like, dude, I don't even know if I wanted to kiss you on this kiss cam. And now you're just like asking me like my hand in marriage. So I feel like Zach's kind of snuck that up on me. But um, so I can talk in generalities, um, yeah. especially related to what I think a lot of people's experience and probably a little bit of yours and other especially other people that have consumed a lot of media. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's most folks, but, uh, a lot of media kind of differs, uh, between one audience to the next. So I think, I think pacing was the biggest thing with WandaVision and even Falcon and also a little bit Loki. Um, and I'd say a little bit too with, um, the Hawkeye show. WandaVision is like my understanding is that originally it was supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then WandaVision. Uh, oh, because really? Of, yeah, that's that's how they were originally going to release it. Um, so we would have had something more akin to like our regular like movie Marvel watching experience to like debut with. And I can't remember if it's because of the reshoots because of co- the way that COVID happened or because I know with both of them, they had to change the storyline for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and the production schedule was also impacted on WandaVision, um, but in a different way. It much more impacted Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They, they even had a bit where it was supposed to be like uh, biological terrorism that was occurring that the group wanted to enact. Oh. Um, but then they had to change that, obviously, because COVID was such oh, yeah, a big oh, yeah. thing. And also, it was it was really, um, I th- I think, from what I remember from the behind the scenes bits, was really linked to the on location shooting that they were doing. Yeah. But because it was on location and you know international and not local based, there was a decision that was made that was okay. Do we want to possibly strand our cast and crew here? Um, or do we need to get them the, the hell back home because yes. things were shutting down. If you remember, you know, flights international, like the U S policy, oh, was yeah, in they such just, like a haze. Yeah. yeah. And you, it wasn't really clear whether, you know, people were going to be stranded and when that was going to relax and release. Yeah. So I think they had to pivot on Falcon and the winter soldier change that storyline up because it just hit a little too close to home with the biological, um, terror aspect and then um, come back to, I, I forget exactly what they were trying to do instead, um, other than kill a bunch of like leaders, uh, which seemed to be what the intent was. So I think there's a little in there about supremacist culture and, you know, because because there's there's a, a lot of scenes where they're like, yeah, they're never, never, never going to let you be Captain America. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there were other Captain Americas before Captain America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's, that's what they pivoted to, and I like that story. I just I feel like. Um, well, I think I think that was that was originally going to be in there to begin with. It's just the, the oh, motiv- okay. yeah the motivation that the um, that the group had and what they were going to enact ended up being different. It wasn't like a biological thing, and then I think also it was located in the international location. And they got to shoot there a little bit, but then they had to pivot, I think, somewhere else. And so it just yeah. changed. It changed the rhythm 
And I think there was also like a break where they like had to stop and then restart gotcha. it up again. And that's why uh, I think it ended up coming after one division from my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and don't get me wrong. Like even a lot of people that throw criticism at these shows tend to do it from a like Marvel fatigue standpoint. Like, I don't have Marvel fatigue. I I happily watch <laughs> um, whatever comes out. Maybe not in theaters, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still super into it. I, I just, I feel like with this batch of shows, so much of it relied on people wanting to follow the meta um, of, oh, well, yeah, WandaVision is going to lead into phase four. It's like... Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we know so much about the production of these movies before they come out that people can kind of call the shots, you know, yeah. that, that are going to be happening. And it's, it, it, I don't know. A lot of it feels like the, the, sh- by the time the shows come out they're they're playing catch up to things that have already been theorized before. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, sense. I think the part of that has to do with, the fact that you you have to make all these materials connective tissue, yeah, um, and they have to logically like connect one thing to the next, yeah. Um, so if you don't have connective tissue that makes some sort of reasoning or rationale why you know Elizabeth Olsen's character is cast in uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> then it doesn't make sense. So yes, you're obviously going to follow threads from the show. And if you have an idea of what the synopsis of multiverse of madness is going to be and yeah. et cetera, and then you know that, okay, I can kind of see what's going on here. Then yeah, it's, it's going to logically lead into the next. I think anyone that thinks that they're a genius because they connect the dots one to the other is I'm like so tired of seeing that take of like, I called it. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, you. Yeah, it's, you're supposed to. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> you connect stories. <laughs> you connected the dots on on a colored sheet, and you had something that was paint by numbers as well, and yeah. you painted all the numbers, the colors <laughs> they were supposed to be. So proud of yourself. I know it's so like you're not a genius for being able to do that. Like, um, it's just about the fun of it, really, for me. Yeah, yeah like the um. The the main criticism I have with um, really all of the shows is they don't I don't know they 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 they, they just feel like they're running in place uh, except for Loki Loki actually seems like it's propelling some story along mm-hmm. um, but I mean like you know WandaVision, I I was super into it for the first. I forget how many episodes there were. So for the sake of math, we'll say eight um, for the first like six episodes. And then the last two, I was just like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> why? Why? You were going in a good direction. Why, why are you doing this? Um, yeah. yeah. And then so... the pacing of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of drug um, Loki Hawkeye to some extent, because Hawkeye pulls in some of the other uh netflix shows yeah yeah um oh spoilers for all that guys if you're oh yeah i'll put spoilers in the notes as well um but but yeah like it it's those two shows are working to kind of propel the major story 
Whereas the mm-hmm. first two were just kind of like maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so Which is I... necessary, but but like I I don't know if they, they needed as much fanfare when they were coming out. Well, of course um, they do. I still get ads for Falcon and the Winter Soldier on YouTube, and I've already watched you? the series. Yes, I get ads. <laughs> I think it's I think it's because in my Google account profile, I specifically requested to not have ads personalized. Um, so they just send like whatever's coming down the pipe, like whoever's paying more, you know? <laughs> um, so I think to talk, to go back on pacing, um, and how it relates to kind of what you're saying, yeah. I think with, with, especially with WandaVision, you got the feeling that you had a production team and you had a creative team and I'm sure the people that they had on it, like from a writing perspective, because if you get Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like one of the screenwriters on that uh, worked on Empire, uh, yeah. Malcolm Spellman. So there's a fantastic, fantastic uh, podcast episode where Malcolm Spellman comes on uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, Fat Man Beyond. It oh, is okay. so good. Go watch that. Mu- go listen to that much better podcast. It is so <laughs> good. Because um, Malcolm Spellman is just like talks about his perspective and what he wanted to do for the story. And he's just a really um, engaging conversationalist about this material. And Kevin Smith is the kind of guy that's just often he he'll just interrupt you kind of when you're talking because he just <laughs> likes he just likes to talk. But he gives Spellman gets a lot of leeway there. Um, and just like I think Kevin's like really high through um, the beginning of the talk. And he's like, this is like the best podcast I've ever had. Um, <laughs> and so he's just like, lets him go and go. And he talks about the pitch that he was, uh, he initially intended to do and how they really liked that pitch. It didn't hit a hundred percent with what ended up being there, but a lot of the material that he was talking about, you know, with, um, you know, with right, white supremacy and yeah. racial relations and et cetera. And, you know, the idea of, you know, someone else taking up the shield, um, you know, that wasn't, um, you know, uh, white toast, you know, milk toast, uh, yeah. you know, Steve Rogers. So that's a great, great take on the show um, right from the horse's mouth, uh, you could say. But to talk about the pacing, that was an aside in relation to, I think they have an idea of, for the most part, the Eternals not really withstanding of how you get a story and you pace it appropriately for the medium that you're, that you're putting it in. But mm-hmm. you had, you had the real, at least I did. And I know this was a common sentiment that it felt like they were getting what they would have had in a movie, maybe two movies. And they were trying to spread that out in a show format and they didn't quite yeah. understand how to serialize their stories just yet. Yeah. Um, and the way to like connect those across. Cause I know with me, like, I think the first WandaVision episodes might be the longest. I can't remember. It's, it's up there in length. It's one of the longest. Okay. Um, but the first three felt like they should just be together. Like you should just release all three of these together. Um, and if you're like someone like yourself, who watched it way after the fact, yeah, you didn't have to wait uh, on the pacing there. Uh, because you'd have a ton of questions, a ton of conversations, which is great. But <laughs> the runtime for them is 
really inconsistent. You'd have one that was like 34 minutes, you know, another one that's like closer that. to 40. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you just, I, it almost feels like there's they had one a movie. I think that's almost an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But so that, it, what you were saying about Falcon and Winter Soldier specifically, I think, is what stuck out to me the most because mm. watching it, yeah, like they could have had all of that in maybe a movie or two. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, yeah. Um, each episode, it feels like the the characters are just talking back and forth and just mm-hmm. reiterating the same point, and then they get angry at each other, and then something else happens somewhere, and then they have to go deal with it, mm-hmm. and then they have the same argument again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're trying it's... they're trying to make serialized content when in, with the dynamic of like a film, like you have okay, you have this build up, yeah. You uh, you know you present a problem. Okay, and then sometimes the resolution of that problem doesn't actually work out. So now things are even higher tension, and then you're running towards the ending to try to clinch everything together. Um, But with with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, while it had some really great points here and there, I think they were trying to figure out, okay, how do we make serialized content uh, with this Marvel Universe? And that's something that we haven't done before. And I'm sure the the impact to production that I was talking about before really yeah. uh, hampered that and complicated it a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think, I yeah, think by the I time mean, they got to Loki, the, the pacing thing seemed to be a little bit more under, under control. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and yeah, that, that's something I do want to follow up and say is that like this criticism is just like a personal taste thing. I think um, mm-hmm. this is like all of these shows were made in unique circumstances. And so they all have unique problems I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> because of that. Um, you know, n- none of that's to take away from any of the because like I remember um, when I guess. I guess this WandaVision came out. The big thing uh, going around was for people to um, lampoon that, like, what is grief but love enduring or whatever. That line, there's an exchange of lines where where Vision says something that sounds profound, but when you stop and take it out of the context of the show and think about it, it's kind of dumb, right? I, well, what kind of cynical bastard am I podcasting with? <laughs> I oh well no that's what I'm saying is that like mm-hmm. the 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 line is not like th- there was a, a a game almost when that show first came out where writers were lampooning it and, and putting in different words different phrases whatever uh-huh. um are these, are these like hired, that like are these hired writers like people that are actually getting paid yeah I'm just messing with you yeah there 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 were a couple people that um, sure. Who was it? Because it was it was a DC comic guy, and he deleted his Twitter afterwards. I bet he did. Um, I think he was working on Teen Titans. In spite of whatever his comment was, the response to it that would have come from the <laughs> internet would have been is going to be way out of proportion. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like that's a bullshit thing to do. Like uh, I really, I just need to get off Twitter. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, like none of, none of that's to take away because like, like I said, you know, the writers and the crew and everyone involved is working in really weird times. 
So I do feel like there's a lot of unnecessary uh, shitbagging going on around the shows and like whether they're going to get a season two or whatnot. Um, well, like, WandaVision I definitely think... isn't getting a season two. No, no, WandaVision is not getting a season mm-hmm. two. <laughs> okay. no. Um. Yeah, like, and uh, to be honest, like, I've I've seen in different pockets of the internet fans wanting sequel seasons of these shows, and it's like, what show are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't see where the, a lot of them could go forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> sure, I, mean, I guess. Fal- Falcon, you know, could with, like, the buddy cop kind of feel, you know, maybe like a new problem or something. They could, but I, I feel like everything is kind of addressed. Yeah. And the wrap up of that. And I'm sure it'll be addressed when, when are they coming back for that? Are they making an appearance in, um, Oh, the multiverse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I haven't, I, I don't troll the IMDb super hard. Gotcha. Um, also, I don't know if it's all been released uh, there. I'm imagining it probably has, but there's probably a good bit that hasn't been yeah. because Marvel, uh, you know, uh, ostensibly wants to keep spoilers to uh, a minimum. So they're not going to post like John Krasinski and unnamed role for multiverse of madness. <laughs> 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 so coming back to the, the, the bit about uh, like with the production and impacts like one division they filmed the live audience segments with a live audience. Yeah, yeah. And they were, they were able to do that right before COVID hit. Yeah. Um, and had they not, then, you know, that would have really impacted what a lot of people, especially I find that uh, viewers of traditional television and I see traditional, like, you know, golden age, yeah, you know, boob tube kind of stuff. Multicam like, sitcoms and yeah. they're just like gaga over that segment. And it was like it's it's cute, you know. Yeah. It's endearing. And I, I appreciated it for you know for what it was. Um well I remember there was there was a write-up um I think on Vulture where where they were talking about like the makeup and costuming differences that you, that go into dressing a set for mm-hmm. um a black and white shoot. And I just remember reading and going, yeah, this is fascinating. But it's like the 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 way in which the writer was treating it was just like they had to innovate so much. And it's like, no, they had like 50 years worth of experience doing it. like I'm sure someone kept a manual somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on how how certain colors pick up on 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 lens. There was another one uh, I saw. I, I don't think it was an article. I think it was just someone claiming that they worked on it right mm-hmm. read it and they were like yeah we got all these vintage cameras and these vintage lenses or whatnot and it's like uh if i can watch it in hd no they didn't if <laughs> <laughs> like, you tried watching something shot in the 50s on on a big uh nbc serial broadcaster like it looks real fuzzy yeah yeah <laughs> It, yeah, it looks like it looks like a sweaty hand was was done like this on the, the lens. Yeah, they have the Vaseline um, effect. I, I think there probably was some application of some of that technology and the techniques. You know, yeah. maybe even like yeah, like the stage placement is is done like a multicam sitcom would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
that, you know, I, I think people just wanted to gush over that because it was, it's not something you really see a lot of. It's yeah. also really, really different from what you would expect Marvel to highlight within yeah. their show. And I, <laughs> I think the, the commitment to, I guess you could say the gag or whatever, the commitment to, um, it's not, the word's not notion or premise. Um, trope? Trope, but the commitment to executing that particular oh, format. Yeah, the bit. There's yeah. there's a specific word make... I'm looking for in like uh, 20 different synonyms. So, but in any case, uh, I think was kind of kind of cool. And it was really the most interesting part of that segment for me was yeah. the fact that, oh, they're really committing to this. Um, I'd say my favorite episode for WandaVision was probably right after the Agatha reveal where they go through Wanda's memories, like in time. Yeah. And they're like stepping through doorways because um, it was kind of like, OK, you've dragged us along. Uh, what the premise of this is, what's happening right. now, we're finally giving you some of that meat. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of the way it was shot, um, honestly, I, I did really like WandaVision. Um, Loki, I think, benefited from them having done a bunch of digital camera work with the. Uh, the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a little bit more pandemic friendly for them to, to shoot in these weird cosmic locales. Yeah. Beautiful um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one particularly looks really well. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, I, I liked watching a lot of the behind the scenes bits related to production. And what I enjoyed a lot about Loki um, was the fact that there was a lot of like set design, like actual sets that are built in. And then the way they combine them with some of that digital like projection background stuff, yeah, uh, it just kind of it blends pretty well. But it also, yeah. I think it for me, it makes me really appreciate a lot of like the practical elements, like related to like the lighting or like the set design yeah. or like oh, there's a coffee stain here that someone put. Um, there was the terrible uh, ca carpet from the uh, the Marriott that yeah did all of that stuff look familiar to you from dragon Con? <laughs> no no i blank that no? out every, no i'm just watching i'm watching them in the uh what is it um the tva i'm watching them yeah. in the tva they're not filming in the marriott um <laughs> oh, okay when i'm just watching because i'm not there being like oh my god i know what that is i've seen it before yeah you know uh i i make fun of uh I start doing that now with shows with my wife, just as, uh, I don't know, as like tongue in cheek. So like whenever they're filming like a scene in New York, I'm like, oh, well, that's that building in New York. I've been there, you know, <laughs> and I, I got to ask myself, do people do people do that uh, for every look? It's like, oh, my God, it's the Eiffel Tower. I've seen it before because Hannah's seen the Eiffel Tower before. Yeah. Um, so I, I get kind of exhausted with people doing that. Not because I'm, they can have fun doing that. I mean, that's fine. But it's like, yeah, I know. We all know. Um, now, if it's like a conversation between like you and your wife, be like, oh, is that like 8th Avenue and like Peachtree or something? Oh, yeah, I yeah. think that is. That's, that's just regular people like conversating and stuff. Yeah. 
when people trumpet it, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I guess. And I, what I find really, I guess, irritating for me about it is the fact that I think what's so irritating about it is the fact that because of the uh, tax incentives that came into Atlanta and the Georgia area, yeah. like a couple of years back, there's been such a blow up for it. And yeah. like people shooting uh, within the Atlanta area and, and Georgia as a whole, oh, that yeah. it's like you have all these Georgia natives who haven't really had that before, who are used to seeing like New York, uh, California spots, maybe places in the desert. But uh, they're always used as B-roll. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> now now it's like these Atlanta folk are like, I'm on TV. And it's like, OK, I, I guess that's great. Um, well, like, so the yeah. problem with with that, like, like you were saying, though, is that like Atlanta is always like New York and L.A. and maybe maybe Chicago, maybe Philly, like mm -hmm. they're all used as the city that the movie is supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. Atlanta is never <laughs> Atlanta. It's always, um, you know, uh lagos nigeria for for captain america to to chase some superhero through or or um you know the i don't know the inside of a cosmic multi-dimensional organization <laughs> than atlanta it's just it's always funny when when uh things are not used for the 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 exact spot that they should be like and some of that just comes from from like having worked with with like location scouts and stuff and how cynical some of them can be of like, mm -hmm. yeah, do you know where we can find any like real grimy, dirty gems that we can just like throw a bunch of shit on the walls and make it look like an abandoned thing. It's like, <laughs> I mean, you could find a gym and just talk to them. I you guess. could just, you could just talk to them or, or you could. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. Like people want footage of like where, where I work. Um, uh, they they shot. Um, it's a, a Dairy Queen. Yeah, that works yeah, Dairy, Dairy Queen. Queen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, it's uh, you know it, it it constantly gets used as a stand-in for like retirement homes, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever it's used as a, and, and I'm sure it's just a courtesy thing, but whenever it's used for for footage, like I love people thinking about a Dairy Queen as a retirement home, and just, <laughs> I just want to let them go with it. Just, <laughs> yeah, just let them go with that thought. But but no, it's it's funny. I, I'm I'm sure it's just like a courtesy thing that, that they do. But it's always struck me as very weird when studios like who whoever's directing the episode or I guess the studio will email the scout, and the scout will email footage from the episode to the location. So like, I was I've I've watched out of context bits. <laughs> of a variety of shows where it's just like yeah i recognize that hallway oh we're cutting to another scene that's not real okay all right cool cool <laughs> you you just sent us a screener of of, uh, <laughs> of unconnected scenes that just happen to be shot in the place that we're always at cool mm -hmm. cool <laughs> yeah. I, I, very I, funny i think it's 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 interesting as a cultural experience because films largely have been placed in areas where production of the films is happening. So like California yeah. is a big thing, you know, just talking about like big Hollywood things, New York, et cetera, you know, you'll have 
smaller films or films that take place and have on location shots, obviously other in other areas. But when people think about Hollywood and they think about like big production movies or like films that portray New York. And so now you have other locales that are getting a slice of that. Um, I'm sure you have people in Montreal that are like, ah, I, you know, Oi, I remember, you know, I know that place or whatever. Insert um, unattempted. I remember when John Wick two was coming out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the Wooly versus crew was like, that's the train station. I would get on every day when I would go into Ubisoft when I was working there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's cool. uh, I guess I, I just think the, I don't know. It's it's not something I'm never really trying to uh, pick out locales or other things like that. Like I recently yeah. I watched we watched um, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife yesterday. Oh, OK. Uh, myself and my wife. And at no moment was I was like trying to place where where it was. Or like where they were supposed to be or where did they even shoot that? I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't care. Cause you cause don't I, care. Huh? I really don't care. <laughs> what I care about is, am I enjoying this experience? Am I enjoying the movie? Am I enjoying the narrative and stuff? Am I enjoying the details, the interaction between the characters? Um, that being said, there's lots of different ways to enjoy media and people, yeah. people yeah. enjoy it. However they want. Some people like to have trivia you know, live trivia while they're watching a movie and you see that, you know, or um, like to have conversations or play drinking games or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you enjoy media however you want. I just, from, from a fan aspect, uh, that fixation is just so, it's just odd, I guess, but <laughs> that's okay. It, I don't need to, I don't need to do it and other people yeah. can do it if they like <laughs> Well, how was Ghostbusters Afterlife? Uh, it was entertaining. Um, I still need to watch the uh, the one that came out before that. Um, oh, um, answer the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that was like a, a retcon reboot kind of thing. Because um, this one really leans heavily into the fact that it takes place in a Ghostbusters universe where ghosts were a thing in like the eighties, you know, within New York in the late nineties, which you can see if you, if you take a moment as a, as like a screenwriter and writer and you, you take a pause while you're watching them try to explain this. And then it's like, okay, why isn't everybody just focused on the fact that there's ghosts? Like, and they have footage of it. Like you can see it on YouTube. Yeah. You can see in afterlife, you can see them like, going through like oh the big giant marshmallow monster thing and yeah you know they don't specifically show that but they see you know you see little ones of the marshmallow and paul rudd's character obviously recognizes what that thing is yeah you know the stay puff marshmallow man of um ghosts of old so you can see why when they did i won't go into the dumpster fire that is fan reaction to the previous movie (laughs) but you can see from a writing perspective why you wouldn't want to have to place a movie 20 30 years later after that event yeah. and have to address the fact that why is nobody just like all over talking about ghosts <laughs> like why is it just not a thing like it happened in new york you know that's largely the the same criticism i've heard like across the board of people who've watched it because like well and i even remember the trailer one of the trailers that came out before the pandemic because this was supposed to come out 
like I think the fall or the summer of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it was really delayed. Yeah. Um, where yeah, like Paul Rudd is showing this this uh, girl, um, like oh, yeah, you're you're uh, um, Egon's grandfather. granddaughter or mm-hmm. whatever, right? you don't know about your grandfather and like hooking it up and it's like he the 80s were not that far ago. like i think the second one came out in 91 like mm-hmm. <laughs> why is everyone not talking about ghosts and how we have a verifiable afterlife yeah exactly <laughs> so the thing though it does take place like in a small really backwater kind of place yeah um again i don't remember exactly where it is maybe Oklahoma or I don't know, Boise, Idaho. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, so these folks are still rather insulated from the outside world. Uh, so maybe it's just not a big topic of conversation. And the mother in the story has obviously been trying to like, keep away her kids from like knowing stuff about the grandfather because the grandfather apparently like had a kid left off to this place because he's supposed to be trying to, you know, protect all of humanity for reasons, et cetera, plot. Um, yeah. So that I think is what they're kind of drilling home as to why there's isolation here um, and sort of the conceit of why everybody isn't just 24 seven talking about ghosts. Um, <laughs> so I can see why in the previous movie, they didn't want to address that. They wanted to just clean the slate. Um there's a lot of other politics and stuff related to that that I'm not going to delve into because I think that's been kind of done enough. Um, yeah. And there's plenty of people who, you know, argue both sides, et cetera. Not that I think one side actually has much merit, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it, it just gets, when you have criticism, uh, and this is as much as I'll t- touch on it, when you have criticism, you know, there is. Uh, an implicit bias in critiquing something because mm-hmm. your brain has a context, you know, yeah. and if you don't like, uh, you know, a particular basketball player or football player, or you don't like a particular Instagram influencer, etc., there's an implicit bias in the context of your brain as to why that is. Now there's other reasons, etc. <clears throat> But you can't yeah. really separate that from whatever amount of baggage that you have that you're coming along with. Um, yeah. Like with the relation of the experience for people who like to call out locations as they see them while they're watching <laughs> things. That's not how I watch stuff. So yeah. it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but I realize that other people have other different contexts and they you know, like to experience media in a different way. Some people like to watch things while just their phone right in hand and they're not even really watching the thing. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, (laughs) I don't like watching things with people who do things like that um, because I can be like, Oh man, did you see that? And I look over them and they have no clue what I'm talking about, (laughs) you know, or like there's a plot point uh, in someone who I watch a lot of content media with there's like a plot point or something and, you know, they'll remember something that happened at, you know, work maybe the last week or et cetera, but they won't remember like a plot line or something that happened in, you know, episodes and episodes before, or if we have to restart something, et cetera. And I get that. It's not real life. You know, you don't have to yeah. commit 
stuff to memory. But I think for some people, sometimes if they if they just watched what they're actually trying to watch, they'd probably remember things more, and we yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't have to have the uh, the recaps um, after Before every episode. After each, yeah, after each <laughs> episode, each episode. <laughs> Especially something that streams all at once. Do I really need a recap of what happened right before? Um, ostensibly, I could rewatch it or I could look it up online. But yeah, there's the fast forward button. So again, all those things being in conflict with how I view or consume media, that doesn't mean the way that I do is the right way. Like it's yeah, it's you know, it's not real life. It's just entertainment. So yeah, consume it however you want. And I think it's sometimes hard for people to separate that out yeah and i mean i i think i'll go a step further and say don't jump on that mine (laughs) most most criticism is pointless um like i i just always offer like a yeah i liked it here's why here's some things i didn't like about it like it's not like you said people are watching it for different things um I think if you're commenting on it, you have to provide content uh, like as for subjective things. Like if you're viewing something and you're like, okay, <clears throat> how well did the cinematographer capture all of, all of the footage going on in the scene or all, all, all of the, the, the scenery? How, how was that shot composed? Largely mm-hmm. that's still kind of subjective. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, objectively, I guess you could be like, okay, well, how did the visual effects artist, layer things so that your brain is tricked like that's a verifiable measure of does this look real versus does this not look real you Mm -hmm. know um but yeah especially for media like i i do not understand people that like only because because like i i knew someone who would only go out to see four like I forget the grading scale that Ebert used to do, but either four star or five star films. Oh, wow. They only wanted to see the best. And it's like, well, how do you know they're the best? Like, you're putting a lot of faith in this other person's opinions. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all they are. They're not like, they're not backed up by anything. Yeah. I mean, Ebert wrote a movie and it was, it, it's arguably garbage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's one thing. Uh, which, that fit- yeah, you know, side note, see Return to the Valley of the Dolls if <laughs> you're ever curious what type of film Roger Ebert would write. But, like, he was a good critic, but I, I don't know if, if you want to let your life be run by other people's opinions, I guess. Also, also critics, I don't know. even any honest critic can talk about things and things that they saw at a point in time and the context with their experience, their understanding, et cetera, 10, 15 years later can have a different opinion on the work, but they only really review a movie once. Um, So you could have someone that would have seen the matrix or would have seen jaws or would have seen, um, you know, uh, 2001, a space odyssey and been like, I don't get it. It's terrible, terrible film. Didn't enjoy it, et cetera. Uh, and they had all these reasons, these laundry list of reasons. Um, but what does that mean? That means yeah. that at this specific point in time, their brain's contextual, like neural map, experienced this piece of media and 
um, you know, maybe their spouse yelled at them that day or something. And so that's the way this media hit them, you know, or any, any other number of reasons. This is kind of a morbid <clears throat> follow-up to that. But um, if if you want to see that, that in action, go back and look at it. Um, movie re- in, in media reviews mm. that came out um, either the Friday of 9-11, so 9-14, 2001, mm-hmm. or 9-18, 2001, because generally that's the cycle of things of when work is due in. Mm-hmm. Um, I guarantee you none of those reviews are very good <laughs> for anything. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, they, they, there have been a couple of movies, I think, that we've talked about in Me, Me, Me's over the years, either me or Stuart. And, and one of the things was like, yeah, this movie got a lot of bad reviews. It's got a really high post-release appreciation because its screener was released on, uh, you know, 9-4-2001. And so it was the very next thing being on the mm-hmm. pile going out so yeah. yeah like context is important um yeah and brain context yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah and i i guess the other thing is uh you want to talk about something dumb is um boy have you seen tenet no no oh, yeah. that that came along when uh you know we're we're going to see things in theaters and um yeah, I just never really had a lot of gas related to that. Yeah, oh, well, and it it sucks that they were they sunk so much money into it because then they were like trying to push it to be a theater movie, and so they kept pushing the release date back, mm-hmm. and it built hype, and it built hype, and it built hype, and it's, I I arguably I would think it's probably Christopher Nolan's weakest work. Did they uh, fix the audio? It, I know that no. was a no. That's no. that was a big thing. I watched it uh, a few weeks ago on streaming. Like I just have it through, through Amazon prime Mm -hmm. and no, it's, it's largely unintelligible. (laughs) So weird. It's it's bizarre. Cause you know, it's not like um, an instance of, you know, the, the cinematographer for solo, I think sued AMC for a bunch of money because the the movie came with a bunch of instructions of like new bulbs this type of lens whatever and the theaters didn't change them and so people are like i couldn't see shit in this movie everything was so dark and it's like yeah they're running you know dud bulbs and they're not listening to any of the the screener recommendations Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's not an instance like that like it seems like this movie was purposefully mixed this way to Mm -hmm. be unintelligible um interesting and i i don't know if it's a if it's a consequence of nolan being a an auteur who does like his deal with studios is like one of those one for you one for me type things and this is one Uh, of his one for me type things and so he just has no one telling him no (laughs) it's like yeah um i don't know like the the trailers are very interesting for it well they had to i know and the, just to, to get on the audio context, and the audio for the original Batman, uh, 
Batman The Dark Knight Rises trailer, if you listen to the audio for Bane, it's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to understand what he's saying. And they had to go back and re-record it, and it still sounds very weird. But you can understand yeah. what it is he's saying, you know, if you don't. Yeah. Um, and so they, they had to go back in and re-record that. And I feel like conceptually, maybe in his mind, you know, if he's listening to it on like a 13.1 or 15.1 sound system and he he has read the script. See, that's the thing, though. Familiarity. Yeah. He, is, he has read the script. He's written it. You know, he's done touch ups with it, probably contextually. He connects all the dots. So it's like I imagine for him. It might be like talking to a relative that has like a bad, like a thick accent or mumbles quite a bit, but you can get exactly what it is they're saying because you have the context of that person. You have experience with them. You know what it is they're going to be talking about. Whereas like a new viewer, that audio, however they want to mix it, they don't have that context, Yeah, you know? And so they're not going to be able to like connect the dots. And there's also stuff from, cause it, I've, listen to a couple different reviews, one in particular that I'm thinking of where they talk about a scene that's happening and there's like, there's like mechanical noise in the background or they're like on a boat or something. Yeah. And it's, it's in- like he mics the engine room. Yeah. And it's intentionally, <laughs> I think in that circumstance, he's, in, he's intentionally mixing that segment so that you can't understand what they're saying. Like, Sure, but... And it's like, why? But then why have that scene then? Exactly. The engines from a boat would not be... Like, because, like, the scene that you're talking about is Mm -hmm. on a, like, one of these mega yachts, right? Mm -hmm. The engines would not overtake conversations that people are having on the upper, like, palazzo outside of their Mm -hmm. living space. (laughs) Like, that's not what wealthy people pay for. No, no, they would not pay for that. You would not be able to hear any of that. They they pay they pay for to have people like lower class strata people lay on top of the engines to absorb yeah. some of the noise. <laughs> they would pay for that as a live service. But yeah, no, the the way the scene is done, it's like he he stuck a mic fifty yards away from the boat to pick up the wind from mm. the sea, and mic to the engine room and then just ambient mic there's no like redubs for for lines or anything like that it's it's very strange i want to know if he had final say over the sound mix mm-hmm. as well um because it, it and it's not just that scene it's yeah. that's a lot of that movie mm-hmm. um, that's what i've heard i mean and i watch things with subtitles on anyway because um it's, it's easier for me to intake stuff that way. So <laughs> I had no problem understanding it, but I could see how someone would definitely have problems understanding it. If you were say in the theaters without subtitles, <laughs> some guy being super pissed, <laughs> some guy yelling at the theater, where is the subtitles? <laughs> there aren't any, sir. Um, um but yeah, no, that I mean, you know, if if you like Christopher Nolan movies, it's a Christopher Nolan ass movie. Um mm-hmm. warts and all, it's it's a Nolan S ass movie. Um 
Uh, no I one asked the movie is actually a different kind of movie, but yes. Yeah, no one asked movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna make yeah, the, the hyphen is between Nolan and ass, not ass and movie. <laughs> His ass movie would also be beautiful as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably also got a very tiny blonde mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up my my section of the Mimi Me. Mm-hmm. What did, did you have anything you would like to talk about? Um, no, f- still playing Dying Light Two when I can uh, kick my wife off the couch. Um, we had a conversation, and I, I was telling her before I purchased the game because I, I played Dying Light on the first one on my PC, and I was like, "Is it going to be a problem that I played this game on the console?" Because normally she has the TV downstairs and also the console playing games, and she's like, "No, no, it's definitely not going to be an issue. It's 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 a thing." You Are you? Know? Don't tell me you're going to have to hunt down another PS5. No, no. I mean, I'll probably just have to squeeze it in when I can. Um, and then, I mean, I briefly thought about, well, I mean, I could probably just get like a a Steam key for that game on my system, really cheap. <laughs> Um, but I already made the purchase yeah. commis- commitment on the PS5 because um, it's it's one of those games that you know you play for you can play for pretty long stretches. Oh yeah, um, they were claiming 500 hours, but <laughs> I don't know. The thing about it is that it, I have done a largely um, side questy stuff, uh, and there's a lot of side questy stuff. Um, I have not explored all of the map, and I've probably played over 30, 40 hours now. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm a certain kind of game player, so that's why when we're talking about uh, you know, Resident Evil Village, which we'll get to eventually, like that was like a 16, 17-hour game for me. Um, just because of the way I play games, especially games I, I really like, I just yeah. kind of take my time. You know, I'm not really trying to get to like yeah. a... I mean, according to how long to be the main story is 22 hours and completionist is 98 hours. Mm-hmm. So even if you doubled that, that's that's nowhere near 500 hours. Yeah. Well, we just talked about how accurate time to beat is. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think anything with like a metric is, is interesting um, uh, to kind of estimate and, and figure that out. Yeah, um, I imagine well, you like probably board games have that as well, where it's like for two to four players, and it takes approximately thirty minutes. It's like, hmm, does it though? <laughs> if every time someone starts talking about something that isn't related to the game we're playing, you tell them to shut the hell up and go on their turn, then yes, maybe, maybe they'll take thirty minutes. <laughs> Wait, are you getting up for a bathroom break? You sit your ass right now and roll those dice. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's a ballpark kind of thing, which is fine. Yeah. Um, it will never take me probably a game amount of time, unless uh, there really isn't much to like explore um, yeah. and like branch out. So like a Resident Evil 3 uh, yeah. remake was probably something like that for me. Pretty Tell-tale close. games. Yeah. Things like that, yeah. Um, so, usually, if there's a lot of commonality, I'll just piggyback off your me, 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 which is what I think I did. So, yeah, playing Dying Light 2, that game's interesting. Um, I'm enjoying the segments. I'm finding the progression is 
feels very similar to Dying Light 1 in that when you initially play Dying Light 1, you feel very disempowered because you don't have all your cool moves. You know, you don't have all the cool drop kicks. You don't have your grappling uh, hook. Um, you don't have uh, just other like slide moves and things like that. And you're you're going to have more of that already in Dying Light 2. Like there's, I was saying there's this combo uh, system where like you can stun an enemy hit stun them and then you can vault off of them and then flying drop kick another enemy that if there's multiples mm. and there's not enough situations where i've like i've practiced that enough also i'm running into an issue where the input delay is definitely like a factor for some things like uh being able to block immediately right before uh, in order to get them to hit stun there's like and also it depends on the variance in animation so like if you're animating you have like a different weapon or you're coming from the side you know because you you can move your your head pretty much like scope you know because your first person view so if like someone's like reeling back and going to hit you if you don't because if they're in your peripheral, just outside, you're not going to be able to time like a block where you're able to hit them because you you can't get exactly when they're coming in. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure they'll probably rejigger that out. And I'd say 80% of the time, I'm able to get that correctly. Um, but there's Bluetooth input latency with a Bluetooth controller. And then depending on your screen that you're using, there's like a built-in, you know, some it's like 500 milliseconds. So it's like half a second delay. Uh, between your action and so then there's sorry to nerd out there's computation involved in lining up your input to the action and then depending on how they program that there can be like a little bit of leeway uh, which you've seen this in games before like when they they just give you um, a little bit of charity like you know you didn't really block it at the right time but it's just it's just given to you because you put the input in there anyways um, so there's not a ton of that, that from what I've seen. Um, and so you're sort of disempowered, uh, but as I've gotten more abilities and building up my stamina, like my health was like at level one for the longest and my stamina's level seven, eight, you know, cause I'm just like, I want to be able to climb things and run and move around. <laughs> I'm just going to run my ass around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really going to get killed by, you know, bad guys and stuff right now. Cause I'm just trying to explore. So yeah. that big hulking brute and his menagerie of like 30 other creatures in this mutated area, I'm not going to go fight them right now. You know, <laughs> I have like <laughs> lower level weapons. So what do I need all that health for? Um, and then the enemies and stuff, you know, the human ones uh, are more engaging this time around. I think they could still use a little bit more tweaking. Um, but I also, when I was Initially playing the game, um, I found it was really charitable with the actions, and it still kind of is. So I was playing it for the first, I don't know, 30, 40% on the hard difficulty. Um, and I think that's actually for some game players who are like mechanically oriented. Yeah. You know, people that like to cultivate their. Uh, 360 no scopes and things like that 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 would probably be the way that they would want to play um but normal is good easy 
I played easy as well, uh, just to kind of see, you know, if there's actually any changes in behavior and enemy stuff. And enemy stuff seems to be pretty much the same. Um, the thing about hard difficulty that I thought was interesting the way it's way it's balanced is and they they say that in the description and it ends up being true hard difficulty that you're going to be scouring areas like inside internal areas and etc you're going to get less loot you're going to get less rare items less rare etc so you have to have more care with inventory management Hmm. but then that sort of disincentivizes you to like really explore an area you know because if you kick open a crate and there's There's shit in there. There's nothing in there. There's literally nothing. You open up a container and it's empty or you loot like a zombie body and they're empty. Like it just says empty. There's nothing on them. Then why am I going to, am I going to kill more zombies and like destroy them? Um, So I think normal is probably pretty good for, for most folks. And then easy can be fun too, because then you're just collecting a bunch of stuff. Um, And it's a anytime scale. So conceivably what you could do is you could play if you're trying to like build up really cool weapons or um, build up items because you can craft things, of course, in the game. You could wait till you're further along in the game. You have a whole bunch of blueprints. Play easy for like an hour or two. Get a crap ton of stuff and then ramp it up back to hard again so that the enemy interactions are a little more challenging. But now you have the Molotovs that you want and because those were my favorite from the first game, is the Molotovs. <laughs> Molotovs are always fun. It's always yeah. good to just find a grouping of them and just like... <laughs> yeah, so you have the firecrackers. I think, though, what was funny is that I, I didn't play enough of the main storyline. So I was looking to see where, like, where's the Molotov blueprint? Like, it's one of my favorite things. Also, like, the mine blueprint. Like, where is this yeah. blueprint? Um, but if I think about my original experience playing the game... You know, I, that wasn't something I had like immediately on, on me, you know, I had to like get it, earn it, et cetera, get the supplies, um, all that. So it's kind of like, it's repetitious enough of the previous game experience, but also to the point where I'm like, I just want to have them all atop blueprint, you know, um, cause <laughs> yeah. I want to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. And so I think in the latest story quest that I did, I got, I think when I was seeing the item loadout, I got the Molotov blueprint or some other blueprint that I was waiting for. And um, so, yeah, I'm just going to make a bunch of fire bombs and just destroy everything. Just the whole city is going to be on fire. Um, <laughs> so I'd say on console, uh, I know there's been critique about bugs and other things like that. I haven't experienced really Anything of that other than I think the two zombies that were frozen, um, but still like standing, like they're still alive. That was, I think, the day after release. Um, And I haven't seen anything like that since. Um, Always, if you're a PC gamer, your mileage may vary. It depends on how much development production time they have related to that. And you could have other issues. it really just just depends. Um, so I don't know what the PC experience is like. I think I've seen issues where other people have had more graphical problems on the PC build, um, but that happens. I mean, you even have Ubisoft, which you know just has 
bucket loads of money, you know, historically releasing games with bugs and stuff on a console experience. So, yeah. so, so far yeah. my, my PS5 playtime has been free of any game breaking issues and just, just enjoying it. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always feel like the bug reports that you see people like screenshotting and spreading on the internet rather than like filing with anyone mm-hmm. it's like okay like settle down no one gives a shit about your, your fake internet points that you're winning right now like yeah. the I, I feel like a lot of those things are so few and far between that it's otherwise miraculous that you're given a game mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's working and playing with as many people that are working on it yeah i mean as i talked about cyberpunk and I played that on PC uh, with yeah. a pretty beefy system um, at the time. And I did have, you know, one issue where, uh, yeah, you know, the police would like teleport into a building or yeah. they'd start shooting at you through a wall after you killed like, a, you know, <laughs> an enemy or something. And I mean, it's just like the police state you know, turned up to like 11 because they're yeah. just, they're 360 <laughs> no scoping me like through walls. Like yeah. I can't even see them, you know, and they're like shooting me down, gunning me down in some other dude's apartment. Yeah. Um, or, or characters like walking into a wall or something. But even was then. Was that on PC? It was on PC. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was shortly after release. So uh, I'd say maybe two or three days. So even then, um, largely, you know, I was able to play the game fine, but that's so hardware dependent and budget. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of the console releases were way more stable. Like I think my, my brother got it for Christmas the year it came out. And I mean, so it had been out a while, Mm -hmm. Um, but he had it for Xbox one. And he, he was like, yeah, that there was a room I went into where like, like there were textures that should have been on the wall, but they were just like, the photoshop scale background where they 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 didn't load in yeah yeah um so like you couldn't interact with it but like you wouldn't be able to interact with it anyway it was just like wall stuff so Mm -hmm. he didn't have anything game breaking (laughs) like i kept seeing some people talk about but i don't know if that's like console is probably much more stable than pc at release and yeah yeah there's just a, a little bit of um i know for myself from my work that i do with development being able to pin down like the environment that someone's utilizing something and really helps with bug fixing and confirming that it works. Um, you know, if you're on a MacBook using Chrome and I'm on a MacBook using Chrome, cause that's the policy that we have, you know, or, you know, internet explorer insert, whatever that consistency allows me to, okay, I know what your experience is going to be. And I've tested for all these cases cause I'm able to replicate that. Exactly. If, if you're running like a power supply that's like gigged out and maybe like a graphics card that's a couple years old. Um, yeah. And your operating system has like whatever build of updates, et cetera, on it. It's it's a lot more difficult to kind of bug fix and test for that. Um, just from my own my own experience. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably my content for the me. I could definitely fill it up more, but I think. Let's hit the hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, then, yeah, let's jump right into Resident Evil Village. Um, they're foregoing the numbers now. Um, 
Oh, no, no, no. No, it's in the title, Zach. It's in the title. So, so answer me this then. It's only in the title if uh-huh. when I put this up, I put Resident Evil Village in all caps. Uh-huh. Like, that's the only way that it's, it's, and even then it's not. Like, it's, it's capital V, capital I, lowercase L, lowercase L. Like, it's an insane person that made this, the name of this game. <laughs> insane or a genius graphic designer all i'm saying is that i'm going to call it village because that's evidently what they wanted to go for you know spelling and and rules of language be damned yeah forget it um so this came out uh may 2021 pc ps4 ps5 you know the usuals xbone xs Mm. um and yeah, I think the Metacritic scores were higher than I would have thought, but lower, low enough that, you know, I know a lot of industries give like Metacritic bumps to, to bonuses and stuff for people. Um, everything hovers in the low 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, PCs 82, PS4s 81, uh, PS5 and XS are where to play it, I guess because they have 84 and 83 respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the production notes that I had in doing the research for this that I found really fascinating is that they started development on this in mid-2016, so a full year and a half before 7 was released. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea how 7 would be received, <laughs> um, how popular it would be. Did people like Ethan? Who knows? Um, so yeah, the, the director did state outright that RE7 is is kind of the base engine for the game. Um, and they, they took essences of RE4 um, where they wanted a, a village to act as kind of a hub for the main game, which works, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, the uh, team decided to make the game a sequel to 7 with Ethan coming back as a protagonist after 7 was... Um, so successful mm-hmm. um they yeah using the hub lets them make the openness of the game um world uh, kind of tense uh, to kind of complement how uh tightly packed and claustrophobic seven was um let's see they so, to talk on the production aspect a bit um yeah. i and right off of what you're saying it it really is really interesting from an outsider perspective to think about what development cycles look like one in the modern (laughs) game industry to like how much flexibility do they have to change loadouts for like storyline progression etc also that being on top of that, a Japanese game company, which they can be idiosyncratic that we've touched upon in their development cycles. Oh, yeah. And like their processes and et cetera. And then, okay, what was it like for that particular game? So it's it, it ends up being very black boxy because it's like it, to think about it from what you're saying, like what if Reception to 7 was just like abysmal? What would 8 look like then? You know? Would... <laughs> <laughs> did, did they have two or three other like would, loadouts at the ready? Would they go back to a third person view? Would they go uh, over the shoulder? Like, 
that means that all of that means that the game has to be written from the ground up again. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I would imagine for this, given that they started so early into the cycle, uh, well, midpoint of the cycle for seven, uh-huh. um, my guess is that a lot of the heavy work was designing characters and making sure they worked in the engine. Uh-huh. Um, that way, all they have to do is go back and re-record lines and re-record body movement uh-huh. and load that in. Um, I would hope that it's a little bit more streamlined and they, they just work on syncing everything now rather than coming up from scratch with a new engine every game. Um, but it's Capcom. Who knows? Who knows <laughs> why they do like a third of what they do. Um, they, uh, they also moved, uh, which I have criticisms for this, uh, they moved away from zombies as the enemies. Um, they outright considered having the village just be populated with witches. Ah, which would have been interesting. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, they, they were wanting to have the, the village just populated with witches. Uh, they moved to vampires for enemies for mm-hmm. Dimitrescu and her daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of shifted. They're like, well, we'll just pick and choose from universal monster stuff. So, you know, you get the thematic houses with, with mermen and ghosts. Um, you get werewolves back. Mm-hmm. Although they're not really associated with any of the houses, as far as I know. Um, and then they brought back the inventory management system from RE4. Um as well as an NPC merchant named the Duke who you can buy supplies from. Uh, they also brought back the save mechanic typewriter from uh, RE4. It's the first time you've had a uh, typewriter save mechanic since four mm-hmm. in the mainline games. And that is where my notes end. Um, did you have any background that you wanted to touch on before we, we jump into the game? Um, I think as far as uh, production, I, I am a little, um, if they did veer a bit um, from a production standpoint, what their sort of intent that we, and I found they, the director of, um, of a, and sort of the production team was talking about how they veered away from too strong of a horror uh, direction because their opinion based on fan feedback was that seven was really popular. Uh, it created a lot of buzz and et cetera, but not enough people were really engaged with playing the game because they don't like horror games or they're, they're too heavily impacted by a horror experience. Like not everybody watches horror movies. And so I think being a creator of a largely ostensibly horror franchise or a franchise that has had, had action games with a horror shellac put on top of them. You're they're trying to execute a particular vision, but they also want like large market reach. Like they don't want to make this like a niche, um, yeah. like Slenderman game or etc. Like they're trying to make money. Yeah. So this, I feel like, like you you mentioned with a lot of the mechanics that are brought back in from four and the fact that, you know, four starts off with 
Um, and this veers a little bit into the game itself, but a little bit on the design. Four starts off with, you know, a mystery, et cetera. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. You reach this village environment. You have this combat that ends. Eight does that as well. And so they're trying to um, use some of the action plus horror formula that they've had in other previous entries in the series to say, okay, how can we please, you know, fans of both? And I, I don't think you're going to, as a horror fan, there's stuff in seven that's just better from a horror perspective. As a Resident Evil fan who has a little bit of flexibility in my soul, yeah. I, I can play eight. I can play village and be like, okay, there's some really cool horror in here. There's also some action and I, I can enjoy that, you know? Um, so that's kind of, I don't know, a, a big, uh, a big perspective before diving into like sort of the details of the game. Well, so one of the questions I have written down since you touched on it, would you consider this an action or a horror? Um, this is a... If you were going to pick pick one that it largely falls into. I, I know it kind of bridges the gap in some, some respects. I'd say that this is... Um, I think they wanted to make this more difficult with the... Uh, was it the Beneviento house? That happens right after the castle, which is largely yeah. is, is just horror. It's just horror. Uh, you know, with, it is. It is just <laughs> horror. When when you're screaming uh, as a person running away from a giant baby and you don't yeah. have any weapons, you're disempowered. It's pure horror at that point. Well, yeah, yeah. So 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 that house is. But that house, how long? That I takes about an hour, it, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I, I want to say it took me about an hour to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I was kind of disappointed because I like I was going through the house and mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, something's going to happen <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. Well, okay, all right. Well, mm-hmm. we'll just go. Oh my just, god, what the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah, you get in there enough to relax because you yeah. you go down to the second level and you're like or yeah. the basement level underneath and you're like, oh, this something's going to happen here. Okay, nothing. Nothing. All right. Okay. And then you kind of get relaxed because it's a creepy atmosphere. And so you had to kind of acclimate. And I think that was their intent. So you can really see that they still have the horror chops there. Like there are still people that know how to do the horror. I think what they want is they, with eight, especially they want to have their cake and eat it too. Like they really wanted to please the horror fans. And they also wanted to please people that just want to shooty shooty things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've already hit the point of the game where it's starting to feel like a Call of Duty game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because I've got like, I've got like 80 handgun rounds. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you want to have that progression in, especially in, it's, it's hard to talk about it because you, you have the same kind of mechanic in like a Dying Light or like a Dying Light 2 where you want the player to feel rewarded for the time that they have invested in. So you want it to be like, oh, these guys gave you a really hard time before. You're going to be able to like really do some damage to them now. Yeah. Um, 
there's a section um i'm trying to remember where it takes place um i think it you would have already played it where you fight the uh the big werewolf dude you know what i'm talking about yeah the yeah, yeah the uh, the the alpha the ancient one yeah yeah so yeah. you fight him the section that comes before that where you're like coming into that area and they can come at you from all angles yeah oh yeah and the fallow um what's it called the fallow plot i think mm-hmm. yeah so even my loadout that i had at that time i had a real hard time with the the quickness and the ferocity and the way that they came in from like all directions, mostly because I just didn't have a lot of ammo right then. Um, so I had, I think I had like a couple mines and I was able to like place them really well and like delay Mines them. are the trick to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like mines and then running in to get them to chase you and then mm-hmm. running back and then jumping. <laughs> yeah. And you can just place the mine. Not right jumping, next to you. but cause you can't jump, but mm-hmm. you know, like skirting the side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you tried to pin me into like an answer for action horror, but I think it's, to me, this game feels more like, um, like if you got Resident Evil 4, which is largely an action game with spooky elements. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't think we have, at least largely, we don't have really a name for, um, in common usage. Again, there's niches of all kinds of games. There's romance novel games where you just romance novelize yourself so you can get yeah, kissed yeah, yeah. at the character at the end of the game. And there's no other romance options other than that. <laughs> so there's niches anywhere. But in large sure. use, I don't feel like we have a sort of um, uh, dramatic uh, dramatic uh, tension, like a drama mm-hmm. kind of label for games like we we know what a drama is in a film like oh it's a drama okay what was it about well it's going to involve characters it's going to involve some action they're um like a dramatic tension sort of movie will have like elements of whether it's like a a bank heist thing where there's like really tense moments or yeah um you know like uh the departed etc we don't really have something to where okay this is a dramatic game and I feel like four is a dramatic game um, in that you have action, you have action elements. So it's an action drama. You also have moments of tension, like when those claw guys are coming at you. And for village, you have the same thing. You have sections that are very clearly horror, like the Benevientos. Um, and then you have some body horror stuff and et cetera. But it's, it's a dramatic game. It's an action drama of a game with horror elements you know um and i think in other forms of media we have you know more nuanced uh categories for that you know just look at deviant art titillating material like there's there's so many flavors and slices of things that you know people find uh interesting or titillating or that get them going but for here, it's like, is it an action or is it uh, a horror game? And I think this is a dramatic action game with horror elements, ultimately. Uh, yeah. Which does have ho- actual horror segments in it. So it's definitely a whole different gear, largely, than 7. And that's, that's a big roundabout way to go about reaching 
you just you wanted me to say action rover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, I and I mean, I I, I largely agree. Like a, a lot of the um, back and forth on line, as far as I've been able to see, are people saying yes, it's an action game, or yes, it's horror, and there's no in between, which I think yeah. is a dumb categorization for it because like things can be multiple things you know especially if that's Um, the intent of the people making it yeah exactly (laughs) surprise so he goes back to the criticism and making things again yeah Yeah, i um i will say one one of the things with this game though is that like i i so i largely have i i I have gotten to where i don't really care what happens to ethan (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know just over the course of of um the game he's just kind of become this beige template Mm -hmm. of this is your character we don't know what you look i mean i know i can look up pictures and see what he looks like or whatever but like there's so other than than grunts of pain and maybe the occasional one-liner we don't have any any voice to connect to him with um i mean all i know is he's good at being able to continue through having hands ripped off (laughs) or Mm. fingers ripped off and stuff like that um It, it is interesting because some of that is intent and it's it's like how how well does that come across for the average or for the average person playing the game? Because that's, that's a common criticism I've seen and just a common kind of viewpoint. Um, Cause they wanted to provide a, and again, I think this is a a situation where they want to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to provide the blank protagonist. So your first person view so that the player, you can just insert yourself into this situation. Um, but he yeah. still has dialogue <laughs> and it's cause that's the thing. I don't feel like you, you people have the same criticism for like a breath of the wild. This Zelda has no character. He's, I don't even know what kind of person he is. Well, that's not really the intent of the game. Sure. But, but... wait, 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 wait. Okay. One second. Cause <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm providing the opposite side and then hitting on what your criticism is here. Okay. And the, the thing is that, with a game the way that they structured it like this, they can't have that. They can't have a blank uh, protagonist like in The Breath of the Wild where things in the script and parts of the story happen when you reach certain segments, but also have it narrative-driven and also have it to where like there's supposed to be a story (laughs) and it's a story about a guy named Ethan and what he's experiencing. So it's like... (laughs) they try to have both things and it's really difficult to do that. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, I, I thought with this being a C, which when I first started playing, I had no idea of the, the production timeline. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that they were using Ethan again because they were going to focus so heavily on the narrative structure. And like, like, <laughs> like you were saying, you can't have a blank protagonist and then, open up the game with me putting a young child to bed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, give him roots in the system. And like, 
I'm sorry, you you can't have that both ways in that instance. Yeah. Um, because like the entire first section of the game is like having you give a shit about the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and his struggle. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, which. Well, well, What's funny is that the segment of the game that you haven't played up till yet, like that last little bit, yeah. there's like, there's a video dump there. There's like an exposition dump and they're like trying to be, okay, this is what this was all for. Like, this is why this happened. This is et cetera. Oh, this is how this exactly relates to what happens in seven. So where they try to like button it all up. Um, and I felt like in that moment, it was like, um, so you, do you find that effective, though? Because I would think that you'd want that sprinkled throughout so that when you get to the end, you can tw- twist and do a big reveal rather than just a, f- a photo and story dump. Yeah, well, I found it effective. Okay. Uh, one, because it was like, oh, OK, well, this makes sense for this character. You know, um, I understand his motivation for like this. Yeah. Oh, this is, you know why he's so durable, et cetera. Um, And so I found that effective. I think another part of it is if you look at like the Resident Evil 4 like template, um, and there's like game conferences about this, you know, and I've seen talks regarding game design and et cetera. And it's such... It's such a subject that people think so long and so hard about. And, you know, I'm just armchairing it over here. We're we're both largely just armchairing it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) welcome to podcasting. Yeah, God, we'll do podcasting. At least we're not giving health or legal advice. (laughs) Yeah, we should should just call this another Two Dudes podcast. Um, So the, the thing about that is, is that people... People don't like when you emphasize too heavy the story and you get away from the shooty shooty or the game action. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Hideo Kojima has been both beloved and lambasted <laughs> yeah. for having 30 minute story segments, you know, like unskippable, like sections of the game where you're just watching <laughs> things transpire in like a, in a narrative format, you know, like you would yeah. like a film or something. And he needs the, to just make movies. <laughs> that's what he cares about. It's <laughs> something that's been said before, but he's also really good at the game portion of it too, uh, depending on which game you're talking about and execution, etc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I remember playing the first Metal Gear Solid, I think as a demo or something, and being like, oh, this is great. This is really cool. Yeah, it was on um, a demo disc in a magazine, and I was like, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I haven't played a lot of the other iterations. Um, you know, I probably could play five and something like that. Maybe put a, a mod patch to where I could just fast forward. Um, I mean, on four, when I was playing through four, I had to reset the sleep timer on my controllers because th- there is no joke, a 35 minute cutscene mm-hmm. you cannot skip mm-hmm. and there's no interaction. Yeah. <laughs> I. I... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's, you're really that's getting what you're doing. into the story, then though, Zach. So it's like I feel like you get you get what we get in eight because they're like, okay, well, we don't want to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, we want to keep things. It's kind of like uh, 
telling a story by by showing instead of telling or what's the the phrase isn't exactly like that to show not tell yeah um and so telling in the game i think a lot of uh game fandom and like game fan appreciation is like don't tell me just show me what it is and they want to tell the story by like you're exploring around this area or like you're going to pick up an artifact there's going to be like a information related to this document and you can like read the text that's with it or etc or things like that um but then they also don't want to fill the character up too much to where like he's fleshed out one way or the other because you want to feel yeah. like okay i can go do this i can go do that um etc because if you if you have a more what i've seen in other attempts to make games if you have something that's a little bit more railroaded like a game like The Last of Us, like your character motivation and what it is you're doing in that, in that point in time is very clearly communicated to you. Yeah. And it's very much tied to the narrative um, so that you're shooting down these bad guys because they're doing this and they're doing this yeah. in the story. You're not shooting down those bad guys because it's just fun and you decided to go do it. So yeah. that autonomy is taken away from you. Like I'm not... Um, you know, going around and solving these puzzles in the castle because I think it's fun, yeah. you know. I'm doing them to push forward the story so it's less of, like, my hand's going to be held and I'm going to be led along. So yeah. I, that dynamic, I think, is really... And this isn't a, an apology, but I, I think it's it's really difficult, I think, to serve two masters and to want those two different things and have it come across really well yeah especially if it seems like you want to do both things you want to tell a really compelling narrative but you also want to give the player some freedom and agency um yeah so it's which i mean that that permeates this game too um mm -hmm. you know the you you can't have well i know that there are story reasons for doing this but when when you go to the second house the, mm -hmm. the Bene Beneviados mm -hmm. and they take all of your weapons away. Mm -hmm. It's just done in a line of dialogue. There's no questions. It's just, huh, where did my guns go? Mm -hmm. And like, I, I know that your character is supposed to be drugged and hallucinating somewhat, but mm -hmm. like, you can't go, wow, look at how realistic and how creepy and horrifying this is. And also how weirdly video gamey this is. Mm -hmm. Or just with a snap of your fingers and a line of dialogue just going, oh yeah, all of the things that you've spent all of this time accumulating, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get, you they, get that they too do, with like the perspective. Yeah. 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 They they also limit the, the perspective. So so like they're messing with the medium as well when, mm -hmm. when, when they're doing things like that. Um, you know, I feel like that they had some art. Granted, I have some vision issues, but but I feel like they have some some art problems that mm -hmm. is in the same line of having to be a video game while also being wanting to be as realistic as possible, mm -hmm. where everything was so photorealistic. Mm -hmm. And then it it's very jarring to be like, well, why can't I just like step over this wheel on this tractor? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like. Or, or for example, one of the things I ran into was, um, huh, I wonder where I go. I guess I'll follow this bright yellow line that just happens to be <laughs> a 
strung amongst the uh, the scenery here mm-hmm. um, to kind of it's a fairly common video game thing just to string along brightly colored and congruously colored things to kind of indicate where people need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I don't know. I, I I think a lot of this game is like you said, serving serving two masters. Mm-hmm. Like it's wanting to be video gamey. It's wanting to be more narrative driven. Yeah, um, we wanna we wanna satisfy the shooty shooty people. Yeah, and we also want to satisfy like some of the horror ish sort of fans, and that's really difficult order, I think. And which I mean, I, honestly, it's why I thought I, or I was surprised that the uh, the Metacritic were, was so high because I thought that by going after both both audiences, they would end up at like a sixty or seventy, like middle of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are going to like it; these people aren't type type scores rather than something in the 80s now granted it's it's low 80s um so i i don't know how effectively they they did that are they releasing any additional like dlc for this one like they did for Uh, seven yes it has been long coming they said covid like really screwed them over um but they they announced they have plans they announced i think pretty much right after the game was out and it got some some good sales figures etc um but it's still it's still coming i I was paying attention to it for the longest and then i was like (laughs) they're on a whole different timetable i'm just gonna wait till they get they got other shit going on yeah exactly so 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 yeah so some of that could just be circumstance of when it was released as well they said covid really put a hamper on uh production etc so yeah yeah, well, and, and I'm curious to see what some of the DLC will be. Now, like like I said at the, the top, though, like I've I've played through Dimitrescu, um, Benevieto, Moreau, um, and then I have saved in the church just outside of the Six Wing Key gate, mm-hmm. headed toward Heisenberg's little factory. Yeah. Um my impressions of the game thus far is that I feel like they wanted Demetrisk's castle to be the biggest part of the game so far, because like Benevieto and Moreau, like I want to say combined, it was probably a quarter of, of the length of time it took me to get through the castle. Um, and I don't know if that's them trying to uh, acclimatize you to playing in in the the, the village rather than uh, like in using a hub world rather than being confined to the basement of some hillbilly swamp house. <laughs> yeah, um, I think they said that they were surprised at how the fan reception was for the castle. Like they didn't think people would be as gaga over it as they they were, so they actually didn't make it that. They envisioned that it actually isn't that big of a section of the game. It's a really large set piece. When you said how long it took you to get through the castle, I was actually kind of surprised. I felt like I got through the castle relatively quickly, um, not like a, a humble brag or a gamer kind of thing, but just yeah, from no, no, yeah. from like a gamer experience section. Because I felt the castle was probably the weakest part of the game for me. Yeah. Um, so part of part of the thing with it taking me so long 
through the, through the castle is that, um, again, it goes back to them wanting it to be photorealistic. Um, and they don't have the best, um, color blindness alternatives in their mm -hmm. accessibility. Well, gotta uh, be surprised if they had anything other than just so like that. They really don't like <laughs> they have brightness and contrast, but that's about it. Um, mm -hmm. Like, honestly, even though I don't play them very frequently, Call of Duty has hands down the best vision accessibility game stuff that I've found. But um, a lot of the castle is just kind of the same color. And so I would just get lost and have to spend so much time in my map going, OK, how do I get through here? OK, there's two doors and then I make a left <laughs> and then I go through the third door on the right. Oh, that's got to be so like, frustrating. Yeah, it was doing that. And then um, also with them wanting it to be photorealistic, um, I just ignored most of the urns throughout the castle mm -hmm. until I was just like shooting at Lady Demetrius to slow her down because she was getting too close. Mm -hmm. And one of the pellets from my shotgun shattered one of the urns that was like right next to her mm -hmm. from, from where the spread was. And I was like, wait, holy shit, these things break? I didn't know they broke. And so then I backtracked and went through all of the little rooms in the mm -hmm. house that, that could have possibly had an urn because I was like, well, that's great. That's where they're hiding money. That's why I can't buy anything. That's why I don't have any ammo for my handgun. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh... So the castle took me the longest because, because of a variety of issues. So it, it could just very well be me that... Yeah. That, I, I want to say right on that. So the the dresser bureaus. Mm -hmm. do, do you broke those two eventually? Yes. The glass yes, yes, ones. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Those are That's a little the, easier, I think, because you can see that there's a well, thing. Yeah, in there. you can see yeah. there's a thing in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the urns are just dressed up like they're part of the wall, because yeah. like there's some vases I think in the um, the the bedroom when you first like. Mm -hmm. free yourself after you've been captured um where i like i tried to break them on on her dress and they, they didn't shatter so i was just like oh okay they're, they're just set piecing i'll just or set dressing i'll just mm -hmm. continue my way through this castle oh holy shit they break and they hold things great <laughs> oh man yeah that's that's gotta be a thing yeah i noticed that uh playing i think i replayed a little bit of seven um seven has a little bit of that but there's not i don't feel like there's a ton really that really breaks like from an interactivity there, like there's not and if it is it's your um the option to break it is almost like shoved in your face of like hey mm -hmm. break me yeah whereas like with this like you have to kind of just be standing there and taking in the scene for it to kind of come up a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I, I will say that I slashed at all the vases, you know, when I saw the, the vase break. <laughs> and I'd slashed at things that wouldn't break uh, yeah. just because I wanted to see what kind of spark animation would come off it. Um, they shot really it. have a whole lot of sparks. Yeah, not, not a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. I will say I did shoot out windows because some of the windows are breakable. Yeah. Um, and I think there's an achievement for that too. All the ones in the castle are because you get an achievement. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's an <laughs> achievement for breaking them all. 
Um, which Ask is, me how I know. <laughs> no, so the, the funny thing about that was, is I saw that after I beat the game for the first time. Oh, really? Because there's there's an in-game achievement system as well. Um, not like the PlayStation trophy thing. Yeah. A lot of times there's carryover, but there's an in-game achievement as well that gives you points to where you can buy like extra special items, extra special weapons and stuff like that. Oh, I guess I have um, to beat it first, like the uh, yeah. completion mm-hmm. points then. But you'll still get them though when you beat the game. Yeah. So like yeah, if yeah. you've already done that, like you broke all the windows in the house, yeah. um, you'll get those points allotted to you, um, yeah. which I thought was kind of cool. So, which is kind of tricky because I, I only noticed one of them on accident was a uh, skylight. So then mm-hmm. I went back to all the rooms that could have reasonably had a skylight. <laughs> Zach's character running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very realistically running yeah. through the castle after having murdered everyone. Yeah. What is well, this and, psycho doing running through the castle? I, I have to admit, windows? I do like the the lore dumps in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it, it seems like they're very shakily put together between the game, though. Mm-hmm. At, from where I'm at, um, because yeah, no, I I like interacting with the Duke. Which, funnily enough, side note, um, I. <laughs> So I did a search for the Duke Resident Evil because I was looking for lore and then a bunch of like erotic shit came (laughs) up and I have to like describe for anyone who has not seen this, the Duke is a corpulent man whose whose belly is almost ripping out of his skin Mm -hmm. and is visible underneath his shirt like he's he is a large like not even really human looking person. Yeah. He's like a, my 900 pound life kind of level of, uh, yeah. But like even stood up, I feel like he would probably be eight or nine feet tall. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of like Dimitrescu is like nine and a half feet tall. Yeah. And there's um, actually, there's some lore related stuff to that too. Um, strangely enough. Yeah. Oh, and that goes back to the the video game versus narrative thing because it's kind of funny that you can hide in in the merchant room in her castle and mm-hmm. she'll just kind of fuck off. It's like, wow, she's just gonna let this dude like hide in this room with this large man. She's just gonna disappear. Maybe <laughs> like, well, maybe, best not to knock on that door. Maybe she doesn't want to fuck with the duke. <laughs> uh, because the, the duke is um, duke's funny to talk about the game and the characters. Yeah. Uh, in the game conception design, you can see that in some of the bonus artwork that's put in there. Like he was originally meant to be one of the houses. Like he was meant to be one of the leaders of the houses, just like yeah. Dimitrask and et cetera, which would have positioned him as ostensibly as like another enemy. Yeah. Um, and the way that he obviously is teleporting into places um, or has like the strongest horse that's ever existed <laughs> in the history of horses. Um, like there's a section, I think in near the end of the game, it might be at the beginning where he's like, Oh, this poor old gal, you know, like taking him around the horse. And I'm like, yeah, she's, she's gotta be dying. You know, that, that horse's heart is about to give up. Um, so yeah. And nobody messes with him. He's just there for like business, uh, apparently. 
And there's a section I'm sure you've seen in that, in that room specifically, I think either right in that room or somewhere outside in the castle where Dimitrescu has like a meeting scheduled with the Duke, like yeah. to talk about some business matters. Yeah. And in my head canon, Dimitrescu is like, oh, I want to kill this guy. But the Duke has, uh, the Duke only cares about business ostensibly, you know, cares about making money, cash and whatever. And so he gets free reign to go wherever he wants in order to maybe he sells some shit to townspeople. Uh, maybe one of those werewolf guys, you know, buys like a piece of chicken off them or something as well, if they want a snack. Um, Cause he obviously yeah. doesn't care about any of the villains or anyone. No. Um, he takes you to, um, well, I won't go to that because that's near the end of the game, but <laughs> you get, uh, you get interaction um, with him and my, I feel like it's like the spiritual successor to like the merchant in RA4 who also just appears in random places. You know that whenever you're near him, it's like a safe zone. Um, and uh, yeah, no one's going to fuck with him. So other than you, yeah. I, I did see that if you, and I didn't do this in the game, I saw it in someone else's gameplay um, you can't really injure the Duke, but you can throw a grenade at him. And if you throw a grenade, he's like, oh, and he like coughs, like from the smoke and stuff. But he's perfectly fine because yeah. you can't really shoot him, you know. But if you yeah, throw... your gun always, mm -hmm. yeah, holsters if... when you, yeah. But if you throw a grenade, it's like he just doesn't even care. It's just like not even a real thing for him. Um, yeah. So he'll, he'll probably show up later, I gather, in nine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm um I'm interested to to see how long is left of the game. Like how long would you estimate if I have not yet started the factory? So the factory can take an hour depending on how fast you move through it. It might take you more than an hour because mm -hmm. um, there there are some more puzzle areas and there's like exploration based stuff. Yeah. Um and so just depending on your brain at that point in time, it could take you 2 gotcha. or 3 hours. I imagine if you knew exactly what to do, you could probably run through it a lot faster. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're just exploring, looking at the environment, reading the docs, I could see like two to three hours on that. And then okay. maybe an so hour yeah, I'll and just half. estimate two or three hours then, yeah. That's just for the castle thing, or just for the factory. There's probably another hour and a half after that, I'd say. Um Really? So then by the estimate of how long to beat, I'm only halfway through by beating, by having three quarters of the flasks. It really depends on how, how difficult you find the last boss. The last boss for me, because I didn't have a lot of ammo and I didn't, I wasn't, one thing I'd say is like figure out, either look it up online or figure out which weapons are most effective against her yeah. and make sure that's your loadout that you use. Because uh, otherwise you can have a really bad time. So what I'm carrying around is the upgraded 1911 mm -hmm. with the extended mag. Mm -hmm. So I've got like 20 rounds in my in my handgun. Um, I've got the the tactical shotgun. Uh, I've got the sniper rifle, the grenade launcher. And then like ten pipe bombs. 
Yeah, so I, I noticed the pipe bombs, I think, were effective against her. The grenade launcher, I felt like, was a little too slow because mm. she moves really quickly. But It's a very slow weapon. Yeah. I mean, I saw, it'll fuck someone up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ended up using a lot of grenade rounds. I've seen people kill her really well with the sniper rifle. The mm. problem I have with that is you have to pick, like, the right moment to, like, scope in um, because otherwise she, she's very mobile. She moves around a bit. Yeah. Did you get the the Magnum? Yeah, I have the Magnum. Okay. Um, I have not used it yet. Yeah. I've just, just been upgrading it as I have mm-hmm. cash, which yeah. with the wheel jack and the, uh, or wheel wheel and the, the crank jack, mm-hmm. um, I, I went treasure hunting because I noticed coming into certain areas that I was like, oh, there's, it says that I don't have this, but that matches the wheel well things. Mm-hmm. So I, I I went treasure hunting, and so now I've got like 180,000. <laughs> um, That's great. Perfect. Yeah, that'll yeah, help so, you on that last buyout uh, yeah. for your loadout. So you should you should be fine. I didn't, I just really didn't have enough weaponry. And then I, I had uh, saved over a previous point where I could go back you know, where I'd used up a lot of ammo and ammunition. Oh, no. So I just, I had to just keep on doing it again and again. It, that probably took me an hour. See, yeah. my memory's so bad, I couldn't figure out from dates when I would, like, I, I've just been doing one save. Just, mm-hmm. yep, overwrite the last save. Are you sure you want to do that? Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you should be good, especially if you have that much uh, lay. The thing about it... Um, before the last battle, you obviously have a, a section where you can load up on inventory and whatnot. Yeah. But it's also dependent on how much he's got on hand, because he might not have a lot of bullets. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, just try to conserve up until that point, um, especially your better weapons. And it's, so like that, say the sniper rifle, which you shouldn't really have a lot of reason to use that. Um, I've only used it um, when fighting. There was a if you if you get the Benavidos um like treasure mm-hmm. where you have the like there's this broken slab which you huh. get that you replace the grave and there's, there's a um there's a giant a big bruiser <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that attacks you like I used it on him because I could fairly reliably like he's big and slow so I could fairly reliably headshot him but mm-hmm. um that's about it. I think I've taken out a couple of lichens in the distance with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't find the handgun to be very effective against her. Um, okay, so I, I'll just stick with the handgun to conserve ammo for other things. Then. Yeah, usually with some of the other guys, especially in the factory, they have like soft spots. I love how this is basically just like a game coaching session for the last ten minutes. <laughs> usually they have like soft spots that if you hit those like you um you know you can do like critical damage to them yeah based on timing so that can help and then i think there's also a lot of environmental stuff that i didn't even realize until i was like later on oh i can hit this thing and it will hit them you know and cause a lot of damage (laughs) to them and i'll save me ammo um i liked the shotgun i think a lot right Mm. there's a shotgun um and I the think old I, school one or the uh, the tactical? I think it was the tactical one. I wish I had, um, yeah, another loadout. Again, going to talk about the end of the game. 
but <laughs> so not really saving that for you for more just like conversation points later on. But um, yeah, I think that's all I could. Okay. Or, yeah. Or actually touch upon. Cut it off there. Then we'll, um, I will be playing through that. We'll cover that in our next uh, resident evil coverage, which will be a grab back. We'll, we'll talk about some games we missed. Um, some games that are not in the main line. Uh, probably finish up on Resident Evil Village. Uh, I'm going to see if I can make Richard talk about uh, the movies tangentially and uh, mm. Resident Evil Future. Mm-mm-mm. Where we pitch our own versions of, of uh, the next couple of games. Yeah, that sounds great. We, we can talk about the first Resident Evil movie. And I think up till <laughs> the second or third one. Okay. That's probably where I... Yeah, but that one's going to be a gigantic, like, huge episode. So that, that, that'll that be a while uh, incoming. <laughs> I refuse to talk about any of the Resident Evil movies unless I feel like it. Okay. <laughs> um, with that being said, the book club book is still Stephen King's It. Um, so uh, go ahead and read that. Watch the miniseries and the, uh, the movies. And we'll be talking about that later uh, with Stuart. And then... Yeah. Uh, you have anything you want to plug or direct attention to? Um, no. Anything that isn't. No. <laughs> no. no. I was thinking of trying to communicate to people whatever they launch after this past flopped Resident Evil movie. Don't put money into it. Don't go buy it. I just... I can't handle even seeing any more trailers anymore. <laughs> oh, I liked Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> no, I'm not saying because I, I thought for me that felt like a positive direction, at least yeah. totally. So the fact that it didn't do as well as they probably would have hoped means oh, they're, gotcha, they're going to gotcha. go back to Paul W. Anderson and just get on their knees and just unzip his pants and say, hey, we need you to do your magic, okay? <laughs> You know, and I'm just really, I'm really upset that that's going to be the situation. They're going to find like the prototypical version of him. That's like 23 right now. Still hasn't weaned themselves off of Coke. Not that, you know, I'm saying Paul W. Anderson ever did Coke. Um, Allegedly. Yeah. And it's just, it's just ready to like do whatever they need to do to make that sweet, sweet money. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's what you got to do. Ugh. God, thinking about Jill in like the second movie with her outfit and that haircut and the fact that she just <laughs> gets nothing. I'm like, what? Jill, she's so badass. Oh, wait, no, no. The director's wife, she's got to be the most badass. So let's just sideline this actual character from the series. And make her look really incompetent. For the I know I've said this multiple times. I want to play the video game adaptations of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> Let's go full fucking circle. I think that um, you could do that if you went into a theater, you had a own private showing, brought in a PlayStation controller, and just like had the movies, and then just took a bunch of mushrooms, and that <laughs> you, that's what you would experience. <laughs> But now, do you remember when when movie tie-ins were a thing, even for video? Like, did you play the Street Fighter, the movie version of Street Fighter Two? 
Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Is that what you mean? Yes, the movie, the game. Yeah, I, I think I saw it in like an arcade. I don't think I played it though. Mm-mm. So yeah. it was on. I want to say it was on Genesis. Mm-hmm. It may have been a friend's Saturn that had it. I think it was a Sega thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic. Uh, but we're talking about something else. So <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.